Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we're set to go against the spread on this week number 10 of the NFL football season. College football now into the month of November with the college football playoff polls now out. The second poll just issued this week and a lot of good action in college football last week when the Ohio State Buckeyes went down in stunning fashion. Oklahoma a record performance against Oklahoma State in the Bedlam Series, and Miami of Florida extends the nation's longest win streak in a big win over Virginia Tech last week. Victor, all in all, I would say it was quite a week in the world of college football. Right. Uh, the new standings are out. The There's a little bit of a lack of drama at the top, of course, with the top four teams all winning. We've got a little hint of chaos to come before we get into the college football Playoff rankings, Mark. We got to do a quick review. Playbook newsletter last week swept the five star best bets, and that was with wins on Michigan State and the Carolina Panthers in the NFL. All best bets went five and two overall. The totals tip sheet had a nice week, winning their three star top play with the Panthers and the Falcons under the total. Uh, a good week for your service there in college football on Saturday, Mark. A nice four and one day, Michigan State, Oklahoma, SMU, and the big one on Miami of Florida, who dominated Virginia Tech uh, quite surprisingly down here in the Sunshine State. For our King Creole service, we did hit our over of the week in the NFL, and that was on the Giants Rams game over the total of 42 and a half points. Of course, we all know that. The Rams did all the heavy lifting in that one with 51 points on the road in the Big Apple. And it was also a real nice opening week for our newest addition to the Playbook family, our newest publication, the NBA Totals Today. We've gone 5-1-1 one, and one in the first six days of the, our early opinion plays. Again, it's a combination spreadsheet, text sheet. And again, during this entire month of November... This one-page daily update is available for free when you go to the playbook.com website and click on NBA totals today, uh, something uh, we're proud of. And it's kind of helped me as a handicapper and a better as well, Mark, and our King Creole service has started the season by going 5-0 and in the NBA. As you know, we record the show on Wednesday mornings. A really nice over winner last night for us. It was our first over of the season with Chicago Bulls, Toronto Raptors going over the total by about 32 points. So, again, we're pleased with the totals today. It's available at the front page of the website. With that said, we got to get into the college football rankings and what's going to potentially happen during this month of November. Well, a lot will happen in November, unquestionably, Victor, as you mentioned here. Not a lot happened last week as far as the rankings went. The top four teams all remained uh, status quo. No changes there. Not a whole lot throughout the whole poll in itself. Uh, 
you know, I do notice that uh, Michigan, who we mentioned last week, did not reappear into the top 25 rankings. So I'm sure that's got Jim Harbaugh a little bit rattled again for the second week in a row. But now we're looking at a situation where what happens in this college football playoff rankings? Will we find a two-loss team that will barge and forge its way into the playoffs this year? And my feeling is, yes, we will. Uh, we've got a, only, you know, we got four legitimate Power five undefeated football teams. You've got Central Florida, uh, who is not a power five team, also undefeated here. But of those four teams, even if Wisconsin wins out, there's speculation as to whether or not they will make the party here. I don't see Wisconsin winning out. And in fact, myself personally, if I had to handicap and look at a possible two loss team to barge into the playoffs this year, it might well be the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, if the Buckeyes do win out uh, every football game moving forward, including a Big Ten championship game, that would set them at 11-2 and on the football season here. There will be some probably some other one-loss teams that will be alive at that stage and point of the season here. But I'm going to nominate Ohio State as my two-loss team. And if for no other reason, take a look at the standings or the polls, Victor. Ohio State's number 13 right now in the college football playoff rankings. Number 12 is Michigan State. Yet the Buckeyes are a 16-point favorite over Michigan State this week. That just shows you how, in the odds makers' view, who the better team is between those two teams, and likely between all other two lost teams. My nominee would be Ohio State. How do you see it, Victor? How do you see anybody crashing the party who's not in the top four currently? In terms of two lost teams, there was a team that, uh, for me, was playing as good as any team in college football. At the end of last season, they did not make the four-team playoff, but they closed last season like nobody's business, and they've kind of had a similar path this season. And I'm going to head over to the Pac-12 and make a case for the USC Trojans. A tough three-point loss against Washington State, and yeah, boy, USC, the Trojans, they bottomed out in that road loss to Notre Dame. Similar to last season when they struggled in the beginning, but really poured it on in the end. Their toughest game was the win over Arizona most recently. They've only got Colorado and UCLA on deck. It could set up a Pac-12 championship battle against a one-loss Washington Huskies team. So I'm going to make a case that USC, Mark, in terms of a two-loss team, has a shot at cracking the top four party. I would not disagree with that at all, Victor. This is a Southern Cal football team that a lot of people predicted to be in the college football playoffs at the beginning of the year. They've taken two losses this year, but you know they're playing with some renewed enthusiasm. they got a tough football game on tap this week, so they get by that football game. And much like Ohio State, if they win out, win the Pac-12 championship, it could well come down to who is the better two-loss team out of the Big Ten, out of the Pac-12, or perhaps even possibly out of the Big 12 conference where right now you got one loss Oklahoma and one loss TCU. By the way, TCU and Oklahoma, the one common denominator between those two losses is the team <laughs> that State. handed them the two losses. Iowa State, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's Iowa State. Uh, they slipped down the number 21. They've got three losses. They're not going to make the, the playoffs, but they're going to make some noise for other teams along the way. So, you know, there's a lot of conjecture, a lot of, to talk about, and a lot of possibilities, and it'll begin to iron itself out after this weekend because it's a pretty good-looking college football card as well. 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Victor, let's shift it over to the National Football League side of things, if we will. And uh, a little bit of an overview, if you will, about how the favorites have rocked and rolled uh, this these past three weeks. According to the database I talked with you this morning here, 25, 12, and 4 favorites the last three weeks. It's also had an effect in the Westgate Superbook Contest, of which we'll talk about with Andy Isco as he joins us a bit later on in the show. Victor, what do your numbers show as far as the NFL season to date so far? Right. You know, I'm anxious to get Andy's impression on what it's been for the sports books in terms of NFL losses over those last three weeks. We've got favorites right now at 62, 65, and 5 against the spread. That's for the entire season in the NFL. In the first six weeks of the season, they started 37, 54, and 1. And then you just mentioned it. They've really rocked it in the last three weeks. Favorites have gone 25, 12, and 4 against the spread. And that included last week's 7, 4, and 2 ATS for the chalk teams last week. Again, we look for value in underdogs when we can find it. The best situation I just queried in our database before we went on our podcast this morning. And the best situation for underdogs this season has been playing on road underdogs coming in off back-to-back losses against an opponent coming in off a loss. There is one game that qualifies in this scenario this week, and FYI, these teams have gone 10-3-1 ATS this year. It signals a potential play. Hold your nose on the Green Bay Packers over the Chicago Bears this week. And, Mark, in terms of totals, I think you can four words can best describe last weekend's NFL over-under action. That would be daytime unders and night time overs the daytime games under big time last week and once again a great run for the primetime games as all three of the nfl primetime games went over the total last week i'm sure that's got many sportsbooks banging their heads whenever a primetime game goes over the total given the tendency of the square players and some of the sharp players to bet these primetime games over the total it uh, certainly has the sportsbooks scratching their heads. What do I got here? We've got the Thursday night games in the NFL have gone 7-2 and two over under this season, an average of 51.1 points per game. And the Monday games have gone 7-3 and three over the total, 46.9 points per game. And that's, of course, with Green Bay and Detroit going over the total on Monday night. And one more thing I want to say about that particular game. You know, Mark, we've already had two instances in the NFL this year in which a game went over the total when prior to the play starting, there was 0.00 seconds on the clock. It happened again on Monday night (laughs) when they gave Green Bay another play on offense. We call it the untimed down, and they scored a touchdown on that last play of the game with zero seconds. It already happened in the Thursday night game between Oakland and Kansas City, and it happened again on Monday. Yeah, quite surprising, to say the least. That game looked dead under for the longest time, and as you (laughs) mentioned, an untimed down final play of the game pushes the total over. Unbelievable. I guess that would 
maybe had the NFL bad beats list for this past week in the National Football League. But uh, a great review of the daytime, nighttime results. The Dayquil plays, if you will, uh, in the <laughs> National Football League, or the Dayquil, Nightquil plays in the National Football League of what's happened thus far. Also, Victor, a quick note here. Uh, before we close this segment out here, about teams, if the playoffs started this week. I love doing this because it serves as motivations for some football teams, and uh, sometimes you find some teams that you wouldn't believe are in situations. But if the NFL playoffs were to start this week, as we're at the midway point of the 2017 NFL football season here, surprisingly, the teams that would be in the playoffs, the number one through six seeds out of the AFC would be in order, Pittsburgh, New England, Pittsburgh, the number one seed, by the way, New England, two, Kansas City, three, Tennessee, four, Jacksonville, five, and Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills, number six. On the outside, looking in of the AFC side would be seven, Miami, and eight, Baltimore. On the NFC side of things, number one seed would be the Philadelphia Eagles, and the great start that they've had thus far this football season. Number two, the New Orleans Saints. Number three, Minnesota. Number four, the upstart L.A. Rams, followed by number five, Carolina, and number six, Dallas. But most surprising of all, on the outside looking in, number seven, the Seattle Seahawks would not be in the playoffs, nor would the Atlanta Falcons be in the playoffs this year. Your observations, Victor, on the teams who maybe would be in or would not be in in the NFL playoffs and what we can expect from those teams moving forward. Two other surprise teams that uh, were in last year. That would not be in the Green Bay Packers, who now have dropped three games in a row, and also the Oakland Raiders, who are struggling with a four and five record overall. And in terms of positive surprises, you really can't say enough about the job that McVay has done in Los Angeles with the Rams. What a turnaround for that team, not just from a win-loss perspective, but I'm a totals guy, and they were a a dynamic and reliable under team over the last two seasons. And they've turned into the best over team this season. And you can't also say enough about the new Orleans saints. They've already scored 66 more points than they have allowed. And they're doing it the old school way. Now they're de-emphasizing the pass and they're utilizing that great one, two punch at running back with uh, Kamara, the rookie and Mark Ingram as well. And the last time, the last year, that the Saints did that where they de-emphasized the pass, they emphasized the run, they won a Super Bowl. You can't say enough for, about the New Orleans Saints this season. Well, they've done a terrific job, has New Orleans. And in fact, they've already equaled their season win total posted in Vegas at six wins before the season began. Or I should say their uh, their season win total is eight, so they've got six wins right now. They've got a good chance to do just that. It's the L.A. Rams that have already equaled their season win total, so a terrific job by them as well thus far the first half of the National Football League season. And speaking about second halves, I want to throw this quick note in there that I did a real nice little study of NFL coaches and their records in the second half of the football season in their career. You can read all about that. It's on the website in the betting tool section. Go to the Handicappers Lounge and click on the NFL Coaches Second Half Logs, and you'll find the records of every NFL football coach in his career. What he's done in the second half of the football season, you'll find quite a few surprises on that list. And closing out this segment, a final surprise here is our chip play. What have you done for you late me? The chip on the shoulder play nominated by our good friend, the Texas Tornado, Steve Crabb. He nominates the Buffalo Bills, and I agree wholeheartedly after that embarrassing loss against the Jets last Thursday night. 
when they fail to even show up for the football game. He nominates the Buffalo Bills for his chip play of the week in the National Football League. The Denver Broncos would probably have to have some consideration as well as they've completely fallen off the map with three losses in a row. And I believe they'll come hard against Pittsburgh this week as well. But we'll put the Buffalo Bills down for Steve's NFL chip play of the week in the National Football League. Don't go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week of beauty inside the Big 12 Conference. We've got that along with our NFL game of the week and our trip out to Las Vegas to check in with Andy Isco and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans. Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at MyBookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join MyBookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to MyBookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at MyBookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. It's time once again for our college football game of the week. We're going to journey into the Big 12 Conference in a big showdown game when TCU takes on Oklahoma in a pair of one-loss teams. Both of these teams ranked in the top six in the current college football playoff rankings. Victor, your take on the Horn Frogs and the Sooners this Saturday. You know, the interesting thing about this game is this could actually be the first of two meetings. They could very well meet up again in the first ever Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma and TCU. And what do you know? We got a team with an actual great defense in this conference. That's what I call a Big 12 anomaly. And we're talking TCU. In terms of the over-under numbers, the game opened at 64 as we record the podcast on Wednesday morning. It's come down a point and a half to 62 and a half and over under betters. You know what, Mark, you can make a case for either side in this particular game. TCU two and seven over under on the season, average line, 58.6 average score, 49.6. Their average game has gone under by nine points. And yeah, they've been involved in some earlier season shootouts. That is for sure. 92 points again in the SMU game, 75 points in the Oklahoma State game. But we have to point out that TCU comes into this game on a five-game under streak. And during that streak, the average game has gone under by 17.4 points per game. Number six defense overall in the country. Number six scoring defense 
allowing only 13.9 points per game. Boy, they like their defense. That's how they win there in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. On the flip side, you got Oklahoma. You know what you got here. You got the Heisman's for the taking for quarterback Baker Mayfield, six and three over under for Oklahoma on the season. That's six overs, three unders. Similar stats, except exact opposite compared to TCU for Oklahoma. Their average line, 63.5. Average score, 73.2. So their average game has gone over the total by 9.7 points per game. That included 114 points in last week's Bedlam in the state of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. What a game. 114 points. The game went over the total by 38 points. Oklahoma has gone 4-2 and two to the over in conference play. There was 76 points in their Kansas State game earlier this season. And, boy, they come in with the number one offense, 608 yards per game for Oklahoma. Number three scoring offense, 45.0. Not the best defense in the world, that's for sure. Number 87 in the country, allowing 413 yards per game. The series, when we take a look at the series between these two in the last seven meetings, two overs, five unders. The average game has gone under by three points per game. Yes, in last year's game, it was a shootout in Fort Worth, Texas. Oklahoma winning 52-46. to 46. The game went over the total by 31.5 points. However, we, the last four meetings played in Norman, Oklahoma, between these two teams, all four of them have gone under the total, averaging only 42.0 points per game. Like I said, you can make a case either way, Mark. That is for sure. I'm going to pass in the game. TCU is not equipped to keep up in a shootout like OU is, but it's their job to not get there in the first place. So why are they so solid? Why do so many of their games seem, for lack of a better word, easy? Third downs and third downs. They hit half their third down conversion tries, TCU. That's number six in the nation. And it seemingly always comes in the big moments of the game. Oklahoma's defense is a disaster on third downs. So for TCU, it's all about staying on the field, keeping Baker Mayfield off the field, converting on third downs. All I can say in regard to the total is if you like TCU in the game, think about going under and playing it in tandem. If you like Oklahoma to blow out TCU, think about the over. Either way, Mark, I'm going to enjoy the game, but I am going to pass. Victor's passing on a tough call, offense versus defense, in the big showdown game between TCU and Oklahoma in the Big 12 Conference on Saturday. This game will be for sole possession of the top spot in the Big 12. And as Victor mentions here, most likely these two teams could meet again in the Big 12 championship game later on in the year. So it's not what you would call a do-or-die game for either football team, but first-place possession would look awfully nice in their resume to the winner of this football game. TCU comes in playing with double revenge from a pair of losses they suffered to the Sooners in the past two years, bringing the number six-ranked defense in college football just 266 yards a game, anchored by the number one rushing defense in college football. They've allowed only 72 yards a game this season, and in fact, they held mighty Texas offense to just nine yards rushing and 23 rushing attempts earlier this football season. TCU 5-1 and one to the spread with conference revenge their last six games when they've been on the road in this particular situation here. 
Oklahoma Sooners off that big record-setting performance in the Bedlam showdown with Oklahoma State last week. Baker Mayfield, as Victor mentions, 596 passing yards, five touchdowns, school records in that football contest here. Their defense a little bit softer, obviously, than TCU's allowing 415 yards a game. Take a look here also. The number one offense at 609 yards a game for Oklahoma, number two in scoring at 45 points a game. Oklahoma, however, in games after taking on Oklahoma State in that big Bedlam series, when they've been favored by more than three points, they're 0-4 to the spread in that particular situation. Uh, when Oklahoma, when they're taking on an opponent, I should say, that has a 750 or better record, as does TCU. The bottom line to me in this game is offense versus defense at Oklahoma coming off a record-setting performance. I like to fade teams in games that they set a record the previous game. Gary Patterson from TCU, as we outlined in our Playbook Football newsletter this week, his teams have been outstanding the next year after he's had a losing season. They've gone 11-1 and and 12-1 and the, the, the preceding the next years. He has one loss this football season, so to keep that record intact, he has to win out. Done a great job in those bounce-back mission-type years. TCU 12-2 and to the spread as a dog with revenge, bringing 149 yards of better defense in this contest. I'll play the Horn Frogs plus the touchdown for my side in this big showdown game on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our NFL game of the week. we got a beauty in the NFC conference. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas, check in with our good friend Andy Isco to get the vibe of what's going on in Vegas this weekend. With that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we're going against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Card. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week. We've got a beauty inside the NFC Conference when the defending Super Bowl losing Atlanta Falcons play host to the Dallas Cowboys. Victor, you're taking the Cowboys and the Falcons in this matchup on Sunday. You know, they may have set the over-under line a little too high to begin with in this game. It opened at 53. It's down to 50 and a half. It's a significant almost three-point movement downward in this particular game. Again, 50 and a half. We got Atlanta coming in 
with a surprise of surprises, three and five over under record on the season. And I say that's a surprise because all of us over fans, we remember last year was a dream season for the Atlanta Falcons. They made it all the way to the Super Bowl. And 16 out of their 19 games, including the playoffs, went over the total. They're already three and five over under on this season. Their average game has gone under the total by six points. It's a tough thing to do to adjust from one season to the next in the NFL, but a sharp handicapper, sharp better, sharp totals player knows when to recognize patterns and go the other way. That's been the case. Uh, we've been on a couple of Atlanta unders this season and been pretty successful with that. And as I touched on earlier, you take a look at a team like the Rams and they've gone the complete opposite way. But again, Atlanta comes in three and five over under on the season. The Cowboys, just the opposite, five and three. Average Cowboy line, 48.4. Average points scored, 50.5. They've gone over by about two points a game thus far this season. In terms of the series history tendencies, in the last five meetings between these two teams, there's been four overs. There's been only one under. Average line, 44. Average score, 52.8. So the average game has gone over by a nice hefty margin of plus 8.8 points per game. The most recent game was when these two teams played each other in Big D two seasons ago when Atlanta came away with a 39-28 to win over Dallas. Again, it went over the toll by 24 points. In terms of stats, Atlanta number six offense, but number 17 scoring offense. They've been bogging down in the red zone, which is, again, totally opposite of what they've done last season. Only 21.2 points per game for Atlanta. And don't forget, folks, this was a team that averaged, uh, what, 34.1 last season. So their team scoring is down 12.1 points per game. On the other hand, you got a very good defense down in Atlanta. Defensive improvement. Number 14 scoring defense, allowing only 21.5 points per game. On the flip side, you got your Cowboy team, number eight offense, number four scoring offense, 28.2 points per game. They're a basic middle-of-the-road defense. Dallas is number 14 in overall defense, number 15 in scoring defense, allowing 22.2 points per game. We do have to acknowledge that the Cowboys have scored 28 or more points in each of their last six games. And right now, I'm kind of leaning toward the over in this particular game, but I'm going to hold off on making any sort of move until the weekend for two reasons, Mark. Number one reason is the fact that this game is all about Ezekiel Elliott for the Dallas Cowboys. And if he does play in this particular game, then I'm going to make a play on the over. But once again, his status is up in the air, and it'll be up in the air until late in the week, just like it was last week. The Second Circuit schedules oral argument in regards to the Elliott situation this Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So we're probably not going to find out till later on Thursday, perhaps even on Friday, if he plays or not. And if he doesn't play, that turns Dallas into a very one-dimensional team a one-dimensional team that can be a lot easily defended in terms of Atlanta. From our database, here's what I got for this season, Mark. NFC non-division conference games with a high over-underline of 49 or greater points. 
These games have gone five and zero, a perfect five and zero, five overs, zero unders since week two, and they've averaged sixty six point eight points per game. Again, my second reason for holding off on making any play is, hey, maybe the order line goes down even more from the current number of fifty and a half. But again, I like the over this game, but it's all about Ezekiel Elliott. If he plays, we'll make a move on the weekend on the over in what should be a high-scoring game. If not, we'll take a pass. Current line of this game as we speak right now on Wednesday finds the Atlanta Falcons favored 2.5 minus 120 with a total of 50.5, but that will likely be adjusted one way or another depending upon the Ezekiel Elliott situation. As Victor outlined, he'll take a pass, lean to the over, but wait for Elliott's status to clear up before officially taking a side in the game. The Dallas Cowboys come into this football contest having struggled against the NFC South. They're just 2-7 and seven straight up and 1-8 to the spread the last nine games against teams out of the NFC South. 0-4 oh straight up and against the spread on the road in those particular games. Where they have done well, however, is playing with revenge when playing off a home game against an opponent that's off a road game. They're a perfect 5-0 and to the spread in this particular situation here. What Dallas does well, Atlanta can't stop, and that's the rush. This is obviously with Ezekiel Elliott in the lineup, largely with his Elliott in the lineup here. The Cowboys rush the ball for 4.8 yards a carry. Atlanta defense, rush defenses, allows 4.2. That makes Dallas a 4 by 4 running dog in this football contest. The Falcons, the Super Bowl losing team, is really suffering from that particular syndrome. They come in having lost the money each of the last five games in a row to the spread. And in fact, if you look at favorites in the NFL that are on a five-game ATS losing streak, when they're taking on winning opponents, they're just six and nine to the spread. They've covered only six out of 15 times, dating back to 1988. Particularly tough situation for teams in this role who are not playing good football. Atlanta head coach Dan Quinn comes into this contest here, 10 and two straight up against losing football teams in his career with the Falcons but only 7-8 and eight straight up against teams with a 500 or better record. So he's beat the guys he's supposed to and struggled against the better football teams. And as I alluded to earlier about our NFL coaches' second-half career records that we posted at Playbook.com this week, Dan Quinn just 1-5 to the spread off a division game in the second half of the football season here. Bottom line to me, the Atlanta Falcons are this Super Bowl loser with this tough syndrome is beating him up again. Teams in this particular role won Super Bowl Losers come home off three consecutive road games, as Atlanta is doing here. Since 1997, they've been in this role four times. They've lost the money all four times in this welcome-back-home role for Super Bowl-losing teams. I'll take the points with the Dallas Cowboys for my side in this football game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show and with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show as we check with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas to find out what's going on in Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you in Vegas these days? Well, Mark, everything is going fine. And last night, uh, what was it, uh, November 7th, the first time that I have had to actually use the heat in the car late at night. Ooh. So <laughs> the uh, cool weather is officially uh, arriving. And I'm sure it's welcome there, Andy, as well. I know it get a little nippy at night sometimes in the winter in Vegas, but the first cool nights, I think, are most welcome. I know they are down here in South Florida after sweltering throughout the summer. When that first cool night comes, you find yourself tend to be sleeping in a little bit later that next first morning when it happens. And uh, 
All I can say is congratulations on that cool weather change in Vegas here. It's been a little bit of a change, I guess. Uh, also, if you take a look at uh, before we get over the NFL side of things here, Andy, uh, not so much of a change in the college football rankings, the poll rankings for the playoff rankings this week for the top four teams remained the same. And I guess the big controversial talk right now is whether or not the Big Ten Conference will legitimately have a shot at having a team in the playoffs with Wisconsin leading the way right now undefeated as we speak. But let me ask you this, Andy. Do you see the Big Ten Conference having a member in the college football playoffs by season's end? Well, Mark, a lot of it could be uh, partially determined this week in the game between Notre Dame and Miami. The loser of this game likely gives up its chance at a spot. The winner of this game, especially if it's Notre Dame, if they continue to win out, probably get one out of the four spots. And Notre Dame is critical because as an independent, its inclusion would mean that at least two power conferences would not be represented. And we know that in the Pac-12, we're going to have at least a one, probably a two-loss team or possibly a two-loss team, depending upon Washington, win its conference championship. And the same can be said in the Big 12, where we're going to have uh, at least uh, one team, uh, at least most likely one team with two losses, possibly two teams with two losses meeting for the first Big 12 championship game. Uh, So the Big 10 may have an outside shot to uh, have a team with one loss in there. However, uh, a lot is going to depend upon Wisconsin. They're not going to really play anybody of note. Now, they do have a challenging game this weekend against Iowa, but uh, they're really not going to face a true uh, test until the championship game in the Big Ten. And again, we don't know who they'll be going up against for that title. So Wisconsin could be undefeated could be left out. In a way, I'm almost hoping, and this is nothing against Wisconsin fans, but I'd love to see a team that's unbeaten from a major conference be left out because that would quicken the uh, move from a four to an eight-team playoff, which I think is what we all expect all along. They talk about, well, the contract's in place, but you can renegotiate contracts if the urgency is there, urgency equaling dollar signs. And certainly, if you've got two and possibly three power Power Five conferences left out, I think we might see that uh, move to 18s within two years. But uh, yes, I do think the Big Ten could be left out, but there's really no dominant team outside of Georgia and Alabama, both in the SEC, so that whoever comes out as champions of the ACC, the Big 12, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, all will have flaws, all could have at least one, possibly multiple losses. Notre Dame can do a lot to help its cause with a win this week over Miami. I love the talk about a possible eight-team playoffs here, and I'm sure that would also fulfill a lot of college football fans' dreams and desires as well. So maybe, just maybe, there's a silver lining in the cloud if something like that were to happen to find a undefeated Power 5 conference team not make the playoffs. We'll keep that situation in mind as the college football season winds down. I'm visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and he's the publisher of the Logical Approach Weekly Football Newsletter. And Andy, before I get over to you about the Westgate side of things and what's going on there, I noticed in this week's newsletter you sent to me, uh, it featured a lot about uh, what we call money lines or office pool situations in the National Football League. And I like what you did, how you broke that down this week. If you can, it seems that to uh, break this down a little bit for our listeners out there in a in a quick little recap, it seems like there's a situation, a certain price range where it's most beneficial when it comes to picking teams in office pools like survivor type pools. That might be the best best price range, if you will. Yeah, actually, Mark, the genesis of this uh, this article, which I put in every year, goes back 
oh, probably 15 or 20 years where money lines were not quite as popular as they are today, but the football contests in Las Vegas have been popular for close to 40 years. And by that, I mean, if you're in Nevada, if you're in Las Vegas, you can enter a contest where you pick the straight up winner of games and there are uh, $10,000 weekly prize for those with the most winners. So the point spreads didn't matter in, in those contests. So it originally was an idea to show people in what range you should start looking to put pick upsets. Then, of course, as money lines become more and more popular, much more widespread, it has a second use, and that is to look when to play, not necessarily favorites, although a lot of people do parlay favorites on the money line, but looking to play underdogs on the money line. And for example, I'll look at uh, uh, home favorites in the range of uh, uh, one to three points. As you would as you would expect, that would be the range where most upsets would occur as far as road underdogs, small road underdogs, and indeed, one to three point home favorites only win the game straight up. When I say only, it's still more than 50%, but not much more than 50%, and that's 56.7, just uh, 57% of the time. Compare that to uh, road favorites in that same range, a little bit lower, but still better than 50%, 54.4%. Now, when you start getting up to let's say 10.5 to 14-point home favorites, they win 83% of the time. It's about a little over 79% for road favorites to win. So if you're looking for uh, underdogs, obviously you want to take a look at that small range. But the interesting range that I that I noted in the example I put in there, home favorites in that 3.5 to 7-point range. Now those are the favorites that uh, are generally considered to be would be favored on a neutral side if you factor in normal field goals. So once you get to three and a half, you're talking about a team that would be basically at least a half point favored on a neutral field. Those teams are winning 67% of the time. That means two out of every three games, home favorites in that three and a half to seven point range are winning. But it also means that road underdogs in that three and a half to seven point range, plus three and a half to plus seven, one out of every three of those underdogs win as well. And when you get to road favorites, uh, the numbers are almost identical, a little bit more than 60, about 68% of road favorites in that uh, three and a half to seven point range win, uh, meaning that home underdogs in that plus three and a half to plus seven point range win. So basically one out of three underdogs in that medium price range of three and a half to seven points uh, will, wins the game straight up. So when you're looking to play underdogs, you may want to concentrate on that range in addition to the range that I normally play. If I like a team, if I like an underdog getting, let's say, from plus one to plus three, usually in that two, two and a half to three point range, I will almost always make part of my play on that underdog, be it home or road, on the uh, on the money line as well. And one thing that we've seen that's interesting, you look at two-and-a-half-point home favorites over the years, you would think that they would be very successful. You see, The bettors will say, gee, why not lay the three-point? Why not lay two-and-a-half? It's less than a field goal. Those road underdogs of two-and-a-half actually have a winning percentage against the uh, uh, not just the point spread but the money line as well. Any great observation on your part here, and uh, I encourage your listeners to download your copy of TheLogicalApproach.com's newsletter. Go to TheLogicalApproach.com website, get your copy of this week's newsletter for a complete breakdown of these best ranges for these football teams, money line plays for these office pool type situations. And you mentioned, Andy, here, before I turn it over once again to the Westgate contest, in my database... Uh, I had keyed in dogs, NFL football dogs of two and a half points exact and NFL dogs of three points exact. And there's a big difference. The NFL dogs of two and a half points are a much, much stronger winning point spread proposition 
than are the dogs of three. So like you say, people kind of tend to dismiss the dogs of two and a half waiting for the three, but that's going to end up being ultimately a mistake because these dogs of two and a half tend to bark uh, a lot more than do the dogs of three. And it, what it probably means, I think the bottom line is that these dogs of two and a half points are the better football team. If you take the uh, the home field out of the equation here, they would be favored on a neutral field, these two-and-a-half-point dogs. So they end up leaving you holding the better team in those type situations. So, again, a great job on that on that breakdown, Andy, and I'm going to encourage your listeners to get your copy of the newsletter this week at thelogicalapproach.com in Las Vegas. Now, with that, Andy, our friends over at the Westgate Superbook and the Superbook Contest here this week here, the contest is entering into the second half stage of the football season here. And it looked like with the favorites barking again last week, I'm going to guess that overall the consensus did not have a good week last week as well. The top five teams in the consensus actually went three and two. It was a rather ordinary week. However, prior to last week, the consensus, as we've documented in past shows, 14 and 26. So the three and two still has them with a significant losing record at 17 and 28. Overall, interestingly enough, the consensus was eight and five against the spread. There were a couple of games where the consensus may have been the more popular side by literally a handful of selections. So I think four in, in the case of, of one of the games there, as I recall. Uh, however, the breakdown shows that when the uh, popular team in a game, the more popular team was the favorite, those teams were five and two. The underdogs, which had started out so strongly, were just three and three last week for the uh, uh, team being the underdog being the popular side in that game. So overall for the week, the cons- the overall consensus, the uh, more popular sides, eight and five for the season. That's 57, 71 and three looking at all selections with the exception of the one game that which had an even split of contestants on each side. There was one pick em game that uh, or two pick'em games, excuse me, that were one and one. So overall, a rather uh, ordinary week for the uh, for the contestants in the contest. However, there was one game that was extraordinary, and of course, that's the game between the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Now, when the point spreads came out for the contest last Wednesday, Deshaun Watson was still the quarterback for the Houston Texans, and the Houston Texans favored over the lowly Indianapolis Colts, whose only two wins on the season were against both winless teams, San Francisco and uh, 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 Cleveland. When that line came out, the Houston Texans were 13-point favorites. Less than 24 hours later, Deshaun Watson went down with that unfortunate season-ending injury. The game came off the board briefly, was reposted with the Houston Houston Texans now just a seven-point favorite. It went down a little bit further as the betting action came in to six. But that meant the contestants could take the Colts plus 13 in the Super Contest, or if you wanted to make up a game on the field, lay the 13 with the Houston Texans. This uh, the most one-sided game in the history of the contest. Of course, part of it has to do with the record number of entries. In fact, the number of contestants on the Colts this year was almost the entire number of contestants in the contest last year. Last year, there were 1,853 wow. contestants in the contest. Of the 2,753 this year, 1,675 took the Colts plus the 13, got the easy winner. Just 70 contestants tried to uh, buck the trend and uh, pick up a game, and uh, they, of course, fell on the uh, on the short end of the game that Indianapolis won uh, straight up. So one of the very unusual things, and it does show a lot of the psychology behind playing the contest where a vast majority will take what appears to be, and in this case was, the easy money, 
and yet there are a few looking to make up a little ground. Didn't work this time. It has worked in the past, though not in necessarily as dramatic situations as we saw between Houston and Indianapolis. Now, as far as the leaders go in the contest, there's one contestant at 13, 12, and 2. That's 32 points out of a possible 45 points. That works out to a 71.1% winning percentage. Interestingly, there's one person a half point behind, or I should say one entry a half point behind at 31 and a half points. Happens to be that same contestant's second entry in the contest, which is doing very well uh, in addition to the uh, first entry. Overall, there are 64 contestants currently in the money, 22 of which are tied for the final payoff spot uh, or the final few payoff spots paying the top 50-plus ties. At 60% for the season, 140 of the 2,748 contestants are hitting 60% or better. That works out to 5.1% of the 2,700-plus entrants. Now, just to put that in perspective, and this is somewhat interesting, in the Super Contest Gold, the winner-take-all $5,000 entry fee contest that's being uh, offered this year for the first time, the leader in this contest actually has a weaker record than the regular contest, though that's not a surprise, only 94 entries. That leader is at 30 and 15 30 points out of 45, that's 66.7%. The interesting aspect of this contest is there are only two contestants at 27.5 points. That's a two and a half point gap between first and second place. And only two more at 27 points, which at 27 and 18 is 60%. So five of the 94 contestants, only five contestants out of the 94 compared to 140 in the regular contest, only five are at 60% or better. But to put that in perspective, I said 5.1% is the percentage of contestants hitting 60% in the regular contest. Smaller field, smaller number of contestants, 5 of 94, 5.3% hitting 60%. Well, that's mind-blowing to me, Andy, to find only 5.1% of the contestants at 60% in the contest. Do you feel, Andy, that that's a result of, uh, of how favorites have done here of late? Or is it just the fact that uh, because there's t over 2,700 entrants, you're just not going to have that many people at 60%? I thought you would, but that's my, my own guess. Well, yeah, I didn't go back because this is such a large field and check what the percentage was over the years. However, normally, and I'll go back to before the contest really started to explode, and that was around 2011. But prior to that, you'd have between about 350 and 400 contestants. They only paid 20 places. And in most years, if you hit 60%, that was good enough to cash in the upper teens, 17, 18, 19, 20, something like that. So really, over the years, the percentages have not been significantly different as far as those hitting 60% or greater. It's that the increased numbers have caused that percentage to look as though it's smaller. In fact, of course, if you look over the, you ask the reasons for it, I think the main reason is it's the NFL. And if you take a look at the contest over the course of a season, the number of contestants, 60% or more, continues to drop. I used to chart that for many years on my website where I would show the number of contestants, contestants at specific points in the season, week by week, hitting 60%, and you would see that it would drop. And I don't have the percentages uh, in front of me, but let's say it was you know 40% after week one, uh, then it would be 32%, and 28%, and 17%. And by week 10, you're looking at about 7 to 10% of the contestants. So it's a, it's a function of the NFL, the unpredictability on a week-to-week -week basis, the fact that the lines maker continues to do a very good job at setting numbers to divide the action, and the the fact that the public is the one that has to play the mind games each week, the 
the uh, bookmakers just put up a line and they let the action speak for itself. But you take a look in the way that many people handicap. Well, gee, you know, the uh, the, the Houston Texans uh, didn't do it for me uh, last week. I can't play them this week. And that's the week when they come in and put their good effort in or vice versa. So the psychology of the public, I think, also in conjunction with the parity in the NFL on a week-to-week basis causes the percentages to drop throughout the season. Great observations from Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com on the Westgate Superbook Contest. And by the way, guys, if you're listening to the show and you'd like to be a contestant in the contest next year, contact Andy. Andy serves as a proxy, and he can get you set up to be a uh, to play in the contest as well. Just visit him uh, at his website at TheLogicalApproach.com, and he'll give you all the uh, logistics and all everything to help you get set up to become a contestant in this Superbook contest where the winner this year will haul down over a million dollars for first place in this particular contest. Andy, before I hand it over to Victor with his question on the show, I know there's some line adjustments that have happened this week. A couple of uh, huge line adjustments, maybe not to the, to the degree of the Houston Texan cold game we saw last week. I don't think we're going to see that again this year because of the timing, the situation of that last week. But what do you see as far as adjustments go from the NFL Superbook contest lines that Jay sent out last week as opposed to what we're looking at this week? Sure. Let me just uh, follow up on one thing you mentioned about the proxying for the super contest, and that is it is open to people from across the country. The one stipulation is that in order to be in the contest, you must enter in person in Las Vegas. You must fly to Las Vegas or get to Las Vegas, pay the entry fee in person. Then you can appoint a proxy to turn in your selections for you. But that is a key thing. You cannot enter. uh, You cannot even have a proxy enter for you. You must enter in person or a representative enter on your behalf. Now, as far as the line moves go, we'll start with the uh, Thursday night game, Seattle, Arizona, Seattle off of their uh, 17-14 home loss to Washington, Arizona off their 20-10 win in San Francisco last week. Seattle was a seven-point road favorite in this contest when the games came up again Sunday evening. A little bit of an adjustment down from under that uh, touchdown, six and a half. The line actually dropped further to five and a half before settling in at Seattle minus six. There wasn't a significant amount of movement on a lot of the early games on, uh, on, on Sunday. Perhaps the one worth noting is the Chicago Bears hosting the Green Bay Packers. Of course, Chicago had a bye. Green Bay had its bye last week and played Monday night in that contest uh, at home against Detroit. Last week, we knew Hundley was going to be the quarterback coming out of the bye. The Bears were two-and-a-half-point home favorites. Now, nothing happened. When the line came up Sunday afternoon, because Chicago had its bye, Green Bay hadn't played yet, Chicago was made a three-point home favorite. The game came down when Green Bay played on Monday night, and then we saw the adjustment kick in on Tuesday morning. Chicago went back up as a five-and-a-half, excuse me, as a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. It's since been bid up to Chicago five-and-a-half over the uh, Green Bay Packers. Now, looking at one of the afternoon games, we touched upon Houston uh, and the injury of Deshaun Watson. It's worth noting what the impact of that injury might be because last week, prior to the injury, the advanced line that you could bet had the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams hosting Houston. The Rams were a three-point home favorite in that contest, actually a little bit higher than that, minus 120 VIG on the Rams, minus the three. Well, we saw uh, the Rams pummel the New York Giants, so we knew we'd see a little bit of an adjustment. And then we saw Houston's ineffectiveness uh, with Tom Savage back at quarterback. When that line came back up Sunday evening, the Rams had been made a 10.5-point 
home favor. So the books adjusted seven and a half points for the combination of the Rams' performance at the Giants and Houston's ineffectiveness without Watson. And that line went up even higher to where the Rams are now 12-point home favorites. And I think a lot of that has to do with the reaction to Houston's performance more so than uh, the Rams pummeling the Giants. So that's interesting. The Dallas at Atlanta game, also an interesting contest. I heard you talk about this one a little earlier. Dallas coming off of that nice win against Kansas City. Atlanta once again unable to hold a lead in losing at uh, Carolina 20-17. to Yet it's interestingly enough, this game was three and a half a week ago before either team had played. When the line came out Sunday evening, the Atlanta Falcons were still three-and-a-half-point home favorite. So no adjustment was made for Atlanta's poor performance and Dallas's good performance. However, the betting action has driven that number down from three-and-a-half to where I felt the number probably should have opened, and that is three. And for those of us in the know, we might have liked to have seen that two-and-a-half open because that would have driven us immediately to Dallas based upon what we discussed a little earlier. Speaking of the New York Giants, as we did a moment ago, they were pummeled at home 51-17 by the Los Angeles Rams. The San Francisco 49ers remained winless losing 20 to 10 at home to Arizona. Last week this game was a pick. That's where it opened Sunday afternoon if the Giants and 49ers had both played. The early action sent the 49ers to one point home favorites. However, since then there's been sentiment for the New York Giants. The Giants now one and a half point road favorites in a game between a team that's 1 and 7 and a team that's 0 and 9. Uh, so perhaps the number one draft choice will be on the line here. Cleveland may have something to say about that as its season progresses as well. Then the Sunday night game, what appeared to be a very attractive matchup prior to the start of the season, the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. And actually after week one, it looked like Denver was going to be the team because if you recall, the Patriots lost that Thursday night game at home to Kansas City and the Broncos won their first three games before going on a bit of a tailspin. Last week, New England had its bye. Denver lost 51-23 at Philadelphia, the normal normal. Normally reliable defense had a horrible game, and the offense continued to struggle despite the change in in quarterbacks uh, from uh, Simeon to Osweiler. Last week, New England was in that no-man's land as a a five-and-a-half-point road favorite at Denver, waiting to see which way the public might bet the early action. Well, after New England's bye, but Denver's poor performance in Philadelphia, New England went up as a higher road favorite, but they didn't even make you lay seven-and-a-half. It went over that key number. The Patriots... Opened as seven and a half point favorites, and as we record this podcast, they remain seven and a half point favorites as of midweek. And finally, the Monday night game, Miami at Carolina. This one is interesting because Carolina had a nice uh, win over Atlanta over the weekend. Uh, Miami had a tough loss at home to Oakland, but a game in which they really did not play very well. The final score misleading, uh, not indicative of how uh, Miami was outplayed in that game. Nonetheless, uh, at least at least on the scoreboard, Carolina was a nine point home favorite last week when these lines first came up and uh, after the uh, uh, prior to Monday to the Sunday night game Carolina opened as an eight and a half point home favorite so a negative adjustment despite Carolina's win on Sunday they took the game off for the Sunday night game after Miami played Oakland when the line came out Monday morning they readjusted it back to where it was last week Carolina opened and remains a nine point home favorite over the Miami Dolphins. An adjustment overview of the Superbook contest lines from Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Excuse me, excuse me Mark. Those, those yes. are the betting lines, not the Super Contest betting lines. lines. Yes. Those are yes. the actual betting lines. Exactly. The betting lines adjustments is from reported by Andy Isco in Las Vegas as we head into this weekend. And, Victor, I know you've got a question you want to run by Andy on the show as well. 
I do. You know, uh, Andy, on the post-Monday night edition of ESPN Sports Center, one of my favorite segments is this Scott Van Pelt Bad Beats segment. I'm sure you've seen it. It can be a combination of humorous and agonizing all at the same time. And, of course, one of the games he talked about was that Monday night game that was just played. My question is, in regards to sportsbook operators and staff and owners, this was a week in which all three NFL primetime games went over the total. Buffalo and the Jets, Oakland and Miami, Green Bay and Detroit. Two of those games went over the total in the last two minutes. The Monday night game went over the total with 0.00 seconds on the clock with a uh, untimed down last play of the game. Is this like one of the most frustrating aspects of the sports book? Are these primetime games going over the total late in the game? Oh, absolutely. And if you talk about the Sunday night game, it took a touchdown uh, and uh, uh, Miami, uh, then uh, the three-point line could have resulted in winners for both sides because the line had been two and a half for some time during the week and three and a half at some time during the week. So that really hurts. But to your point, overs generally are bad for the sports books when they occur on primetime games they're equally uh, or even more so bad they're e- they're equally dangerous because of the increased volume that occurs on most of those primetime games even the Thursday night games which don't normally attract as much as the Sunday nor the Monday night games they still attract a fair amount of action and anytime the games go over especially when you've got favorites covering now we've seen a number of these games where the underdogs cover that wasn't the case on Monday night uh, it was the case last Thursday night with the Jets that's upsetting the bills. But when you've got that combination of favorite and over, that's bad for the sports books because a lot of the public, even though they're smaller bets, they add up, they will parlay favor to the over. And when those come in on those isolated games where there's even more participation because they're usually at night and everybody's home, they're done working, etc. Those are the worst case scenarios for the sports books. They're bailed out somewhat when the underdog wins because that not only kills the uh, uh, favorite and over parlays, it also uh, takes out a lot of teasers for teams that uh, may be favorites, especially those six or higher point favorites. Also takes out a lot of those who may play the favorite on the money line, either straight or in parlays. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas visiting with us on the show this week. And Andy, before we let you go on the show this week, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap on the show this week. The Washington Redskins, a great call on the show last week. What are you looking at on the NFL side of things for this weekend? Well, it's the middle of the season, and it's probably a good time to start looking at some some ugly underdogs. And I'm going to look at one of the most disappointing underdogs uh, this week, as disappointing as far as the season goes. I wasn't high on this team when the season began, but a lot of people were. A lot of people expected a bounce-back season from the Cincinnati Bengals. What appeared to be a strong stable of running backs, Julio, uh, not Julio Jones, A.J. Green and a gifted set of receivers, Andy Dalton, a more than capable quarterback, has led his team to five straight consecutive uh, playoff appearances before last year. But it's been a disappointment, especially in the running game. You have to wonder if Marvin Lewis is going to be out after this year. You wonder how much they miss Hugh Jackson, who was the offensive coordinator before going to Cleveland a couple of uh, seasons ago uh, and uh, the uh, impact he had with the uh, with, with the offense 
offense and Andy Dalton. They're going down to Tennessee this this week to take on a Tennessee team that they've been disappointing. They're five and three, but they don't look like a serious contender for uh, the playoffs. And if they happen to win their division or get in some other way as a wild card, don't figure to do all that much, despite a pretty talented roster. And perhaps much like another team that begins with T, Tampa Bay, fooled us a little bit last year with their fine resurgence in play. Both of those teams were expected to uh, do better things this year than they've shown so far. This is a play um, on Cincinnati this week, plus five. It's play as much on Cincinnati, more so a play against Tennessee being that big of a favorite at home. I can't see Tennessee being more justified as more than a field goal favorite. They are being outgained on the season as far as yardage goes. That's one thing that you don't like to have when you're backing a favorite, especially a favorite of more than a field goal. Cincinnati still has talent, and really the advantages in this game, uh, Tennessee has put up the better numbers on offense. Cincinnati has put up the better numbers on defense. In fact, even though Tennessee is outscoring Cincinnati by about six points per game, when it comes to defense, Cincinnati is allowing more than four points less than are the Tennessee Titans. So uh, give me an underdog getting more than a field goal with a better defense, both in terms of yardage, yards per play, and points allowed. And uh, I'm not going to call for the outright upset here, but this has the makings of a 1916-type football game. So I'll take the five with Cincinnati this week. Andy Isco on the Cincinnati Bengals for his complimentary play on the football show this week. And once again, before we let Andy go... I want to encourage our listeners to download a copy of the Logical Approach football newsletter this week to find out all about Andy's numbers and what he likes on both the college and the pro football card. You can do that at thelogicalapproach.com or at the playbooksuperstore.com website as well. Andy, a great job once again on the show, as always, this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and we'll look forward to visiting with you once again on the show next week. And I wish the same good fortune to both you and Victor. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll chat next Wednesday. Thank you so much. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When we come back for our final segment, I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week, and Victor and I will also pass along our complimentary plays on the show when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at Playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome, awesome, awesome angle of the week. 
Okay, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week. We call it Last Home Game Bummer. And what we're looking to do is to play against any college football favorite in its last home game of the season. That's off a straight-up favorite loss last week. If they're taking on a 500 or greater avenging opponent who is not off a double-digit point spread loss. These teams in this bummed-out role in their last home game by playing against them were 28-8 and eight against the spread. That's a 78% play-against situation. We'll be playing against Navy this week. We'll play Navy on the play-against list this week when they host SMU for our awesome angle play on the football card this Saturday. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what he's got going on this weekend in the world of football and his complimentary play as well. Victor, if you would. Right you are, Mark, and I see that you've got a big one in the NFL this week. A reminder, of course, the NBA Playbook NBA Totals today is available every day for free during this month of November. It's on the front page of the playbook.com website. And we've got a nice four-star over the total best bet in the NFL. That'll be on the Playbook website uh, on Thursday evening. You can check that one out, and hopefully we get the same outcome as last week with the Rams-Giants over the total. And with that said, our under of the week is going to be going in the New Orleans Saints-Buffalo Bills game. And, of course, I touched on it briefly at the top of the show. Things have changed in the NFL as of late. There was a fairly recent time when multiple teams could be considered over-easy bets. They were reliable. They were profitable. We're talking the Falcons, the Patriots, Broncos, Raiders, Steelers, and the Saints. Here's another team that's done basically done a 180. Now 6-2 on the year, leading the NFC South, and again, doing it the retro, retro way. I talked about de-emphasizing the pass, and they're gunning with their stud running backs last year. They were number 28 in rush rate. They're now number 13 in 2017. They had more running plays than passing, 32-27, to 27, in last week's big win that went under the total against Tampa Bay. So we're going low in this non-conference affair. It does feature the number five scoring D. That's Buffalo, who only allows 18.6 points per game against the number 10 scoring D. The Saints are allowing less than 20 points per game on the season. It's no wonder the over-under line in this game has dropped. It opened at 48.5. It's down to 46.5. Get in as soon as possible. Of course, New Orleans, as we talked about, is off five straight wins in a row. And since 2011, non-division teams off five or more straight up in ATS wins in a row have gone one and ten over under when the over under line is less than 48 points. For the Bills, they were that uh, big road fave last Thursday night against the Jets. They got blasted 34 to 21. Non-division dogs off a division road favorite loss like the Bills have gone one and ten over under since 2012. This series, the last four meetings, have only averaged 35.6 combined points per game. That's an average of minus 8.5 points when the Saints take on the Bills. We're going under the total as our free play this week. And don't forget our four-star over of the week at playbook.com. Victor King from King Creole Sports likes the under in the Bills-Saints game for his complimentary play on the show this week. 
You can pick up his big four-star total play at playbook.com. And also, while you're at playbook.com, be sure to download your free copy daily of the all-new NBA Totals Today. All you need to do is log on to playbook.com on the homepage. Click on the NBA Totals Today for your free download copy of Victor's excellent new publication. Before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, once again, a quick note from our friends at mybookie.ag. They've got a 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 to anybody who signs up and loads their account at mybookie.ag. All you need to do is to call them toll-free at 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387. Use the promo code PLAYBOOK. To get your 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 at mybookie.ag in time for the games this weekend. A quick note that my NFL Game of the Month will be kicking off this Sunday. We're excited about that, especially after our NFL Game of the Month winner last month when Pittsburgh plus three knocked off Kansas City in straight-up fashion. It's part of another $99 football weekend of winners, including the NFL Game of the Month, All you need to do is to log on at playbook.com today or call me toll-free to get on board for the NFL Game of the Month, $99 Football Weekend of Winners at playbook.com or 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week comes directly from our Playbook Midweek Alert football newsletter. This is another one of our famous Dia Dia plays. These are dominating dogs in action doing it again. We call it Dia Dia. On Friday in college football, we find BYU taking on UNLV. They go to the Sin City to take on the Rebels in Vegas. BYU's had a down football season this year. There's no question about that. In fact, their seven-game losing streak that they started in September has ruined their chances to go to a bowl game for the 13th straight year this year. They won't be in bowl games, but there's an indicator or a buy sign about BYU. If you take a look inside their stats, you'll notice that they've out-yarded the stats each of their last three football games in a row. They weren't even coming close to doing this earlier in the season when they were mired in that losing streak. They also bring over 100 yards the better defense into this contest. This is BYU guys against the UNLV football team that they've knocked off 16 of the last 19 times they've played. And in fact, have been favored in 18 of those 19 games. Yet they're coming up the dog in this football game where they've won nine straight times in a row in Las Vegas. I'll play BYU plus the points Friday against UNLV for my complimentary play on the football show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against a spread. For our good friend Victor King from King Creole Sports for another great job. I want to thank him on the show this week. Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas as he always does with the Vegas vibe. And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>